for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, episode 88 to be exact. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Host Daryl D. Lane, as always, whether you're listening via SoundCloud, WJCU, Saturday mornings from 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, however, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Got a great show today. Going to have uh, Jason Guevara towards the end of the show. Going to talk about uh, our NBA history segment. is going to be about the San Antonio Spurs. What uh, was Jason's passion for was uh, Tony Parker just retired. So we want to talk about you know the whole Spurs dynasty and how it started. And we're going to talk about how it stacks against other dynasties. You know, a Showtime Lakers, a Kobe Shaq Lakers, a Larry Bird Celtics, teams like that, a Jordan's Bulls. Now, and coming in about in about five to ten minutes, we're going to have my man Silas Garrison on the pod. And what we're going to talk about Silas's Warriors, Raptors, the KD injury. It's been a big story permeating the headline in sports. Should Kevin Durant have played? What happened with the doctor? Silas is going to have some very interesting takes on that. I can't wait to hear what Silas thought. Silas was so excited. I called Silas. I'm like, Silas, yo, man. I'm like, bro, let's let's do this right now, right? You know, right after the game. And Silas like, Daryl, I can't even think straight right now. I can't even think straight right now. So I can't wait to hear what Silas has. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be funny. And Silas always brings that. Uh, but here's what I want to give. I want, I want to give my take. Uh, Kevin Durant and uh, his Achilles injury. And I want to start talk about the magnitude of injuries like this and what they can have on a player's career. Uh, Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles, right? Kobe Bryant went from being a top five player in the NBA to being basically a scrub. A scrub after his Achilles injury. He went from being one of the best players in the NBA to being one of the worst players in the NBA. DeMarcus Cousins tore his Achilles. DeMarcus Cousins went from being one of the best centers in the NBA, playing 30-plus minutes a night, to now, <laughs> it's kind of an afterthought with the Warriors right now. Remember when uh, Derrick Rose tore his ACL? I know it's a different injury. Derrick Rose was never the same again. Remember Robert Griffin III, how good he was his rookie year, then Alodi Nada broke his leg. Then he continued to play. Played in the wildcard game against Seattle Seahawks, and his knee finally gave out. Robert Griffin III was never the same again. You see, when you have debilitating injuries, these major injuries, sports is finite. Sports has an end. Sports does not last forever. Your peak athletically does not last forever. And injuries, like an Achilles, like an ACL, like a PCL, shorten your sport lifespan. And not only that, they shorten your sport's lifespan in terms of how good you are. Because I don't really want to talk about whether the Warriors are right or wrong. Uh, I think the Warriors are wrong for what they did, but I'm going to get into silence with that, and we can talk about that then and there. But here's what I want to talk about in terms of the totality of it with Kevin Durant. The Kevin Durant that we saw against the Los Angeles Clippers that dropped 50 on Patrick Beverly. That averaged like 48 points per game during that series that he said, y'all know who I am, right? I'm Kevin Durant. The Kevin Durant that was shooting three-point shots in LeBron's face in the NBA Finals, a back-to-back Finals MVP. The Kevin Durant that we were saying, is he the best player in the NBA? That Kevin Durant died. He died on Monday. He died on Monday and around the second quarter, when he tried to make a move, and he fell, and he grabbed his Achilles, and he yelled, ah. That is when the Kevin Durant we all knew and loved as basketball fans died. I don't know if Kevin Durant will ever uh, be an all-star again, if he'll ever swing points per game uh, again. He might be able to. Kevin Durant might be able to be a top 20 player. He might be able to average 20 points per game, make an all-star, be a credible, solid player, be a starter. But the days of Kevin Durant averaging 30 points per game, the days of us being like, is Kevin Durant better than Kawhi Leonard? Is Kevin Durant better than Giannis Antetokounmpo? Is Kevin Durant better than LeBron James? Those years, those times, those days are over. Kevin Durant will never 
again get to that level. And I'm on record saying that right now. He will never get to that level. He might be able to compensate. He'll still be a pretty good player in all likelihood. He might not fall off a cliff. But let's think about this. He's going to be out in all likelihood 8 to 12 months, basically the whole year. He's 30 right now. Then he'll be 31 coming into next year. It's going to take him a whole year to get his body back, right? To get used, to get, get used to pushing off, feeling confident, running, cutting, jumping. Okay, so let's go another year. Then he's 32, okay? Kevin Durant's full systems go, but now he's 32 and he's out of his prime. Huh, and he already had a debilitating injury. Not necessarily what you want. It's not what you want. I don't think, whether it be the Knicks, the Nets, uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, I don't think any of those teams should offer Kevin Durant a long-term deal. And people like Brian Windhorst and Chris Mannix have said that they will offer him a long-term deal. I think that's crazy, and I think it shows the desperateness of those franchises, particularly franchises like the, Knit, like the Knicks and the Nets who haven't had anything going on for years that just want to star in a name. That Kevin Durant that could average 30 is no more. By the time he gets back, he will be 32. By the time Kevin Durant was 32 anyway, we see this right now. LeBron James is 32, 33, and we're already seeing LeBron's age. And Kevin Durant was never, by most of our opinions, even close to being better than LeBron. And it's sad because we saw one of the greatest talents to ever play the game. We saw it just go poof. We saw it just go poof. And I remember this as a Lakers fan, as a Kobe Bryant fan. I remember... I was sitting at my house. I remember I was upstairs and sitting in my house, and I was watching. And ironically, funny enough, it was the Lakers versus the Warriors. It was the Dwight Howard season. And Mike D'Antoni ran Kobe Bryant into the ground. Ran him into the ground uh, with that frenetic pace they were playing. It was stupid. And this was the Lakers were battling to get the 8th, 7th seed, right? They greatly underachieved that year. And I remember Kobe tore his Achilles, ruptured his Achilles in the fourth quarter of that game. And then you see Kobe. Kobe shoots the free throws, right? Then he gets back in the locker room. You see Kobe, he's not really crying, but he's just kind of distraught. And he's like, man, there's no feeling. There's no feeling. And I'm thinking, damn, Kobe I knew and loved. Kobe that could score 81. Kobe that could be consistent force and be the best player on a championship team. That Kobe's gone. And what do you know? That Kobe never came back. Never came back. And it's deflating. And it's deflating and it's sad when you see great talents like that. But, but it's all part of sports. It's all part of sports. Now, cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to talk to Silas Garrison. What he thinks about the injury. Who's to blame? You know, who was right? Who was wrong? What are Silas's thoughts of the NBA Finals? Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have Silas Garrison with us. How you doing, Silas? I've been better. I've been better. Right. So, Silas, so much that I sacked uh, from last uh, yesterday's NBA Finals game, but let's let's start with this, Silas. I was like, Silas, let's, let's do this show like right after. And you're like, no, you're too emotional, Silas. Your, your head was all over the place. Why was your head all over the place, Silas? No, we have not. Have we? I know. I know. There's times where, like, we'll like as friends, we'll like have a conversation. Have we had even one conversation about the game? No. We have not talked. You have it. Actually, sometimes we'll go over before the show. Hey, some of the questions that you're going to ask me. Have you? Have we done any of that? No. No. This is going to be completely authentic and raw. First of all, I don't know why everybody's going to let this man off the hook. Kyle Lowry, you had a wide open three in the corner. How do you hit the side of the backboard? <laughs> Why did we just let that go? What are we doing? That that man could have hit the backside of a barn. That's a fact. Awful Um Broke my heart. Broke my heart. That's one. Um 
like that the that the Raptors fans were booing. So that already already got me upset. Um, I'm really, I really don't care that the Warriors won because if you and you know this personally, I picked the Raptors in six. So it, I, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, my picks, I, I, you know, I believe my picks are still going to be correct. I, I said it before. I don't think at all Kevin Durant was going to make an impact in this series whatsoever. I think it was foolish that we rushed him back. Um, that the, that the Warriors rushed him back. I thought that was extremely uh, selfish. Um, what makes me so mad though? This is what I gotta say. You know, it's easy in the most of a bad decision, but let's just be real. That wasn't the global consensus around America. The global consensus around America, I believe US Times did this, asking on a poll, should Kevin Durant come back? And they said yes. Like I think like seventy five percent said yes, but the vast majority said yes, he should come back. The man was saying he's hurt. Everybody was saying, like, well, he said he was going to be back two weeks ago. He said he was going to be back three weeks ago. Yeah, because he's a competitor. Because he's a champion, and he wants to come and play. So he's going to say he's going to be back sooner, because that's what he's anticipating. But a lot of times what we anticipate and what's reality don't line up. And this was the and, the, and this is the example of that. And I'm extremely disappointed as, an, or as, as a basketball fan, as a person who coaches basketball, as a person who, uh, who, who just absolutely loves the game, who's been around the game literally his whole life. Uh, I, I, I play point guard. Um, I, I've coached, I've coached uh, UA teams. I've won two championships uh, at, coaching, at the coaching level. Uh, I've played it. I mean, I get it. You want to win a championship. But at what expense? At what price? Kevin, same thing with you. I put you out there, but I'm not as upset at Kevin as I am at the Golden State Warriors, the fans of the Golden State Warriors, and as uh, the media as a whole would portray him as some type of faker for not wanting to come back. Look, at the end of the day, he's a brand. And he's a person that's somebody's kid, and you're trying to force this person back. And lastly, lastly, whoever cleared that man needs to be fired this morning. And Silas. Around 7 o'clock. He should have been fired at 6.59. Silas. Uh, if this was a regular season game and the Cavs were about to play in Cleveland, would Kevin Durant have been cleared? Absolutely not. He would not have been cleared. Matter of fact, I don't think he's meant to be clear, period. I don't think... I'm going to be real with you. I don't think Kevin Durant would have been cleared for the next two... I give it about the next three weeks. That's almost a the month. Next, the, the next three weeks. Silas, that's almost another month. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, 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 absolutely. And absolutely. We, and Silas, when you say three weeks, are you talking about three weeks at the earliest? At the earliest. And I'm going to tell you why. A calf injury, this is what nobody was understanding about this injury. A calf, a calf injury can easily become an Achilles injury. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think they were lying to us from the start about Kevin Durant's injury. I think it was an Achilles injury all along. If you notice, all the ice that they were putting on it, especially in the especially when the media and the press was, uh, was, uh, was filming Kevin, it was always on his, it was always on his Achilles. It was never on his calf. Now he must have some big calves. Or a big Achilles? No, it was absolutely right down at his Achilles. And I'll, and I'll tell you what. I believe, yes, his calf was hurting, but obviously your calf hurts when something gets pulled in your Achilles. That's only natural. So naturally, that if, it, if it's torn, both are going to flare up. Absolutely. Uh, if you notice, everybody was saying, well, Kevin's walking, he's shooting good uh, in practice. So I don't see why we wouldn't clear them. Well, that's the thing. On a calf injury, you can walk around. It's just a little uncomfortable. Same thing with an Achilles. You can walk around. It's when you start putting pressure on it, applying pressure, and running on it where it becomes an issue. And that's exactly what happened last night. If you notice, Kevin Durant, so long as he was jogging, you never really saw him in a full sprint. You never really saw him playing that much defense. We And you, and you brought that up to me last night before the game that... Uh, 
book was he going to do on defense. We really didn't see that much on defense. But if you notice, the first time he took a real plant. See, it's one thing. Because he was catching and shooting the other times. So he was just catch and shoot. Exactly. If, if you notice something, he's... When you... It's, it's one thing when you're warming up to plant because you know how much you can take it. So you're not. So you're only gonna. So you're only gonna warm up as much as you feel like your body will allow you to. But in a game, naturally, the level of intensity makes you do things that you don't. That you wouldn't really want to do. So I believe Kevin Durant didn't want to plant that foot as hard as he did, but he had to plant it a little bit harder to get the shot that he was looking for, or at least to get to the position that he was looking for. And that's why he ended up getting hurt because. When you're warming up, your mind's completely conscious of everything that's going on around you, including your body. When you're in a game, you're completely conscious of everything going on around you, but a lot of times, especially in a championship, you're willing to completely be heedless of what your body's telling you. And that's an example of it right there. So no, just because he was walking on it, just because he was jogging on it, doesn't mean that he was fully capable to come back and play. And, I, and, and, and obviously the evidence proves me right. It's just one more thing. We can't say that I'm just a bandwagon on this because I told, I said it before. And, 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 I was, and, you, and you know this. I said that if he comes back, I fear they will get hurt. Matter of fact, we I said that, what, maybe like 10, 15 minutes before the game when I talked to you? Yeah, I said, I don't know how that was going to play. How, how's he going to – it's an Achilles. Like, how's he – and here's my thing, Silas. I never thought, you want to know what I guarantee you? People in Kevin Durant's camp did not want him to play. Kevin Durant played because of himself. And here's the thing. You got to save the athlete from themselves. He played because his teammates and he played because the organization pressured him to. Right. And the and you know what? Yeah, yeah, and, you, and, you, and you know another thing, Dale, is uh, I, I definitely believe Kevin wanted to get out there the whole time and, and give it a shot. He should. Um, I, I, I believe that the Warriors organization along with the fans pressured him back more than he pressured himself to play. And the media. And I'm going to put the media on there too. And the, of course the media. Absolutely. Uh, so that's one. But uh, but like if you, but I, I agree with you 100% because he didn't even stick around for the game that he got fitted for a boot put on those crutches and he left the arena. This team is moments minutes Minute by minute, like going, like they have a chance to lose a final. And you never, I don't care if you're playing or not playing. You don't know if you're ever make it back to the finals again. Now, obviously, Kevin Durant's probably like, yeah, I'm going to make it back to the finals at some point. But it's such a great opportunity. Well, he's entirely heedless of that legacy and all, completely heedless of it. I can, and he just, I just can't stay here. I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Wow, that's that's powerful. I, I think that's a story that's not being told in this because there's so many headlines that maybe that one won't grasp, you know, the New York Times or the Atlanta Tribune, but I'm going to bring it up right here for, you know, everybody who's listening. Imagine that. You're in the NBA final and it hurts you so bad that you can't play. It hurts you so bad that you were pressured into playing and now you're looking at something even more serious, you know, uh, knock on wood that nothing goes wrong with the MRI today. Um, though I already thought it was torn. You go through all of that and you and, and, and it hits you so hard you can't even stay. You can't even stay in the same arena. You just gotta go. That broke my heart just seeing that. And look, I, I, I picked the Warriors to lose and, and I know I've, I've come on this show and I still do believe Katie's a coward but at the end of the way, at the end of the day he's still an amazing athlete. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, and I believe one day he'll, he's gonna get No, 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 Silas. And he comes back. It's not like they ease him in. He plays the whole the whole game to start. He plays 11 of the 14 minutes. He starts. 
He's playing right away. At first, they were talking about reportedly he was going to play short bursts, that there wasn't a damn thing about short bursts, and that there, it seemed like there was going to be no minute restrictions. It seemed like if they needed him to play 40, he was going to play 40. So here's my question, and that's wrong on so many levels, too. Right. Should the NBA be investigating this? I mean, there's nothing really to it. I mean, there's, I mean, yeah. For something's not right with this size. This don't look right. It doesn't. You're right. You're right, Daryl. You're right. I, I guess my thing is, like, at the end of the day, the doctors had cleared him weeks prior weeks prior to, like, start moving around. Maybe stuff. that's what the NBA should be investing in, because something is not right in there. Let me put it to you that way. Something's not right. Well, let's, well, let's just be real. But let's, I mean, let's just keep it a whole buck. Everybody knew Kevin Durant wasn't at 100%. Like, I don't care how many three-point shots he was going to make. Everybody knew he was at 100%. Um, so, I mean, look, this is where I say this. Is Kevin Durant culpable in any of this? Yeah. So you're going to investigate Kevin Durant, too? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I... I, I guess I guess my point is this, at the end of the day for clearing an athlete that was not actually should not have been cleared to play. I feel you. Okay, I get that. But this is but this is a bigger issue that you got to look at in all of this. This happens all the time. So like the only the only reason why we're making a big deal out of it right now is because Kevin Durant's top two, top three basketball player in the world, and it happened on the biggest stage in the finals. That's the only reason why we care. Like, like if I'm gonna give you an example, like if Kyle Lowry tried to rush back and do the exact same thing in like the semis, okay, well it's Kyle Lowry, and it's the semifinals. We're not gonna care that much. But when God, everybody, and your mother's watching in the finals, and you're the marquee, that name, the minute they said Kevin Durant was playing, your name is on the marquee. You're the person that everybody comes to see. You're the person that people game plan for. You're the one that people can't sleep the night before. You're the one on the marquee that everybody's gunning for. That's the only reason why people care. Let's believe that if, like, a Rajon Rondo, for example, who's important to every team, just like Kevin Durant is, obviously not, you know, he's a second coach out there that they're important in different ways. But as a coach, you want a person like Rajon Rondo out there uh, as a field, as a, as a court general, right? Okay, he gets hurt the same way Kevin Durant does in, in a semi or even in a final. It tries to rush back, and then the same thing happens. There is no way the press handles it the same way that they did with Kevin Durant. First of all, they gun for Kevin Durant all the time, so he already had it. In, he already uh, had a bad in with the with the press. Second of all, you look at a Rajon Rondo. Okay, well he's important in a different way, so he, he tried to rush back, but his impact in the game isn't as noticeable as Kevin Durant. So like Kevin Durant's one of those people. Kevin Durant's like a black guy at an all-white school. He just sticks out. So it's the same thing. When he leaves the fo- when he leaves the floor, you know what I'm saying? You know he's not there, and he's one of those people too, where his personality's so big that when he's out there, you kind of really can't keep your eyes off of him, whether for good or for bad. And that's the whole problem with all of this right now is that. The reason why we're only looking at Kevin Durant's situation in such depth is the severity of the issue, the person, and the person, and, and, and knowing where it happened. It happened in the finals where everybody's looking. That's the only issue. So in order to like investigate this, you would have to investigate the other 50,000 times that it happens throughout the year. I shouldn't say, but, but actually, but no joking, like, probably like, this happens like 30 to 40 times a year where people try and rush back, especially in contract years where people get hurt. The only difference is, this happened to Kevin Brandt on the biggest marquee show. Who do you blame more? Do you blame Kevin Durant, the training staff, the media, or the fans? Or the organization, or his teammates? Who, do you, who gets the most blame in this? Um... I'm not going to blame the fans really that much uh, because at the end of the day, they're just trying to root for their team and they're not in the, you know what I mean? They're not in the, they're not in the facilities. You know what I'm saying? They're not, they don't really, they don't have any type of say, you know, the doctors do what Kevin Durant does. If Kevin Durant wants to be culpable for this, then, I mean, I have no problem with that because honestly, that's who I'm holding the most accountable. At the end of the day, nobody can make you do anything, right? But I understand where the frustration comes in because there's a humanality side of this. Do 
guilt. There's a lot. There, Kevin Durant's an emotional person. We all know that. He doesn't want to let anybody down, you know? And he felt like he was letting people down. I know because I played. I played in a championship hurt, and I played, and I and I wrestled in a in a final hurt, and I ended up I ended up breaking my foot in the process. So, you know, obviously on my very small scale, I I, I could say I sympathize because I know how that feels, even from from my small perspective. However, that doesn't change the fact at the end of the day that Kevin Durant had a choice to make. You know, and it's easy now to say, oh, I made the, the wrong decision, but I could have told you that, you know, like before you went out there, that was a bad decision. He knew it was a bad decision, uh, you know, because I'm sure his body was telling you, you know, this is one of the coolest things ever. The body is so, there's such a, such an intriguing thing. The reason why you feel pain is because your body's sending you shock waves and sending you like, like little messages that you're that you're not right right now, you know that you're hurting. So when you then ignore those, you have to live with the consequences because your body already warned you that you're not good. You see what I'm saying? And for Kevin Durant to be completely heedless of that and then go out there and still perform, that's completely on you. Now here's what I will say: Kevin Durant's camp, as you said earlier, did not want him to play. We all knew that. That's why when Kevin Durant went back there. Uh, when he got hurt, when he went back to the locker room, people were trying to get in to talk to him, and he said, even even to the team at halftime, look, he doesn't want to talk, just leave him alone. And then he ended up leaving, because they were that upset. It was that big of a frustration to them that they could not even stay to watch the rest of the game. Him and 30 other people in his camp packed their stuff and left. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, the frustration's definitely there. Uh, I definitely would blame Kevin Durant. I mean, that's just natural. Uh, but in terms of, like, the humanality side of it, I can't blame the fans. But do I blame his camp for not saving him from himself? Yeah, you better believe it. Look, if Kevin Durant's legacy is on the line. You know, there's a lot of people who are looking at his legacy. There's a lot of people who are willing to throw, I'm talking, 50 shades of, of, of shade on this man's name. Does, does this validate uh, a guy like Kawhi Leonard who sat out the whole year in San Antonio because even though the doctors cleared him, he said, my body ain't right? Well, yeah, yeah I, I guess that's a good comparison. What I would say, though, is that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough because Kawhi was really doing that for leverage. You know, if you're gonna tell me he was hurt the entire season, no, he wasn't. He was, I mean, he was, I mean, he was cleared to play like four months before the before the season ended. You know what I mean? But I, I get it. He didn't want to be there in the first place, and he was at least trying to do whatever was necessary to force a trade. Okay, well then we forced. Well then we forced you. Well then Kawhi's camp actually does end up forcing the trade, and we're gonna trade you to a team that you don't even want to go to. Okay, well how does Kawhi flip that on his head? Okay, I'll get them up three one in the finals. You know what I mean? And then I'll go where I want to. So, you know, talk about talk about, you know, a blessing in disguise. With Kevin Durant, it's a little it's a little bit different because Kevin Durant wasn't saying the body's not right. Kevin Durant was like, Yeah, I'm trying to rush back as soon as I can. You know? Uh, but but the urgency was just there for him to come back ASAP and he came back as soon as possible and we saw what happened. How bad is an Achilles injury, Silas, to you? Is that career-ending, career-threatening? Will he ever be the same? How bad is this injury? An Achilles injury? Yes. Well, it's not. It's definitely not career-ending. Um, career. Uh, it's not career-ending. I believe Kevin Durant will win another championship at some point before he's done. Um, I believe that at the most, he would be out a year. Uh. If you uh, his, his his teammate Boogie Cousins had an Achilles tear uh, and he's back um, and, and he's playing pretty well, uh, he's not right right now. Um, he's probably he, he's not the same player he was. I believe that's also because you know he's been hurt to, to, you know to some degree. Also, we haven't seen the two Boogie Cousins because he's playing with four other All Stars. You know, it's kind of hard to be who you were. When before you were playing on normal teams, now you're playing on a super, super, super team, you know. So it's a little bit difficult. Uh, I believe that if he was by himself on on a team, he would still be averaging probably what I want to say like maybe 15 points and 10 boards, 
and it might it might even be higher than that. He might be averaging twenty points and ten boards. I still think he'd be an all star. See uh, it be the East or the West. Uh, I think the only thing, the reason why we haven't seen Boogie Cousins be Boogie Cousins, is because he's playing with four other all stars and he has to take a back seat. Well, with Kevin Durant, we're never going to see that. If Kevin Durant's average is, is thirty points a game, or, or uh, obviously it's not, but like something close to that, he'll always be around that same number. You got to also remember Kevin Durant's twenty eight. This didn't happen when he was a spring chicken. You know what I mean? So, if he comes back in a year and we see that he's deteriorated to some degree, that also could be the fact of old age. That, you know, him getting older in the sport, you know, that happens. Uh, but I definitely think, whether it's a torn Achilles, I'm praying that it's not. But if it's a torn Achilles, I expect him to come back. You see people come back from ACL injuries who don't even have the surgery anymore. You see people come back from Achilles tear. And, and, and you know, to, to some degree, they're still the same players. So Kevin Durant, who I believe to be a top two, top three player in the world, I'm not worried about that at all. I'm sure he'll be back and, you know, just as good as he's ever been. Silas, uh, you think this is a message out there, and I want people to always understand this. Never trust the organization. Never trust the fans. Never trust the media. They don't know what's best for you. Because yeah. you don't want to yeah. know what? KD, here's my advice for you. Bleep the championships. Bleep Steph. Bleep Draymond. Bleep me. Bleep you. Because you want to know what? The only people that's really mad are your mom, your dad, God, if you believe in them, and the people that you know love you. And secure the bag. Secure the bag. That's hundreds of millions of dollars he might never see. Yeah, that's the that's that's biggest thing in this, right? Like, and, and, Wait, it's really quick. I was about to cry myself. I was like, this man was about to get four or five years, $150 million. He ain't ever going to see that money again. That's enough to make me tear up right there. I don't know. I think I think he still might get paid. I mean, I definitely think they're still going to pay this man. But I, I get what you mean. Like, it's, it's up for He's not getting no long-term deal, though. He's not getting a long-term deal. With, yeah. the, with the with the with the torn Achilles, not getting a long term deal. Yeah, it's tough. Secure the bag. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's tough. It's definitely tough. But I think I guess I mean, no matter what, his bag has been secured, right? Like, let's. I mean, but. Well, Silas, I, 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 I'm here to tell you right now, even Golden State, let's say they win it, and he gets his third ring. I'm trying to tell you, Silas, I take $150 million over over a ring. I'm sorry. Say that again? I'll take $150 million over a ring. Well, yeah, over a ring, and especially the fact of the matter that, like, we got to look at it like this. Kevin Durant's not a, not a normal basketball player. You know, most people... They go to a final maybe once, twice, or maybe never at all. Kevin Durant will be back to another final. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he didn't need that feeling. He, he, the, the, I think the one person who has absolutely nothing to... Who has nothing to prove is Kevin Durant. You know? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just hard. It's hard to think right now. Now, now Silas. How do, how does how do you think Steph Draymond? I think his teammates feel. You know, can they use this as motivation for the upcoming games, or is it deflating? Can they use this as motivation? Uh, I mean, I think they're really beat up right now. I, I I think I think I look at it like this: the end of the day, they know who they are. You know what I mean? Like they don't need they don't need to be like, oh y'all y'all thought we were gonna lose because Kevin got hurt. We're gonna come out there and do that. No. What they need to do, okay, I'm not rooting for Golden State, but if I was rooting for Golden State, like let's have to coach Golden State, I'd be like, look, Kevin is hurt, but Kevin's going to be fine. Whatever he chooses to do, stay here, go somewhere or otherwise. We need to lock in our business. We got a championship to win. Don't get fed up into we're trying to prove a point or we're trying to dominate because we're trying to send a message. We did that already. Like now this is about us. We've done it so many times trying to prove things wrong to other people. We've done we've done that already. Now, how about one time we just do it for us? And I think that's probably the best approach they need to take. One thing that you don't want to do as an athlete is take personal feelings into the game. You know, I, I know my I know uh, one of my friends uh, in Arizona, my best friend Bauer. He always said this: Don't put your feelings on the internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same thing here. Don't put your don't put your don't put your feelings to the court. 
you know, obviously years or as you're going to, which obviously, you know, people do, harness that. Harness that energy into a team effort that can get you after Toronto for a game seven. That's the best, the most important thing that they can do. But in terms of in terms of hearing all the noise and all the chatter, which I could argue that's the reason why you're in this problem in the first place, from hearing so many different opinions, hearing so many people talk, the best thing that you could do right now is talk into your own business. Do it for yourselves if you don't do it for anybody else. Go out there, play a hard game at, at you know at the Oracle, you know, and then at the end of the day, you just let the chips fall where they are. Look, let's be real, you know, they they were down three to one. Okay, like it's tough. It's gonna be a tough hill climb. And honestly, not too many people are believing that you can win. Out from our record right now, and say I don't think they're winning this series. I'm telling you what I think can happen in order for them to force a game seven. I do believe the Golden State Warriors as champions fall this year. Um, but at the end of the day, let's just be honest. It's not because they're that bad of champions. They were amazing champions. The fact of the matter, they're facing such an uphill climb. So as far as I'm concerned, I believe this series is already over. I believe that the, the Toronto Raptors will be the, two, the 2019 champions. It's just a matter of when and where it's going to happen. Gut feeling, where's it going to happen? I think it's going to Game 7, Silas. I think that's fair. I definitely think it's fair to say that it's going to Game 7. I, I find it hard to believe that Golden State is going to lose in the Oracle three times in the same series. I just I, I just have a hard time believing that. I want to believe it, uh, but I, I just have a really hard time believing that. But if I'm being completely objective, I do not see it happening. I see it going to a game seven, and I see the you know Toronto Raptors winning in a close one. I just think I just think I just think Golden State's tired, man. I think they're tired. I think I think this is taking a lot out of them. I'm telling them to be, you know, I mean the the the, the biggest the biggest points that we're making right now aren't even basketball points, right? You know, I, I have a stat sheet here. We haven't even went, we haven't even went over. I don't even know we're gonna get to it. I mean. Because there's just so much emotion here that, you know, we don't really know what to do with it. And I think the Golden State Warriors are definitely feeling that. Now, the professionals, are they going to be able to, you know, let, I just saw Steph Curry crying on TV. Okay, well, he's hurt right now. He's, what is he going to do, though? He's going to go to his family. You know, he's going to see his girls. He's going to see his son. He's going to see his wife. You know, Aisha. He's going to be okay. You know, Clay's going to be all right. Steve Curry's grown men. They're going to be okay. Draymond, obviously. You know, Draymond's... <laughs> Draymond and... Dray, what, and, that's, and that's one thing. One good thing about this team is that they have Draymond Green. Where if all else fails, he's that leader that will pack them together and say, look, we got to go. You know, you got people like Boogie Cousins, but they don't want anybody feeling sorry for them. You know, I feel... And I, and I don't. I don't feel sorry for them at all. I don't know if you do. I don't feel sorry for them. You guys got, four, you got what, still four all-stars on your team? Get it done. If you're those boys, if that's who you are, then get it done. And if you can't, then maybe it's not your year, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, don't tell me. If we, like, I don't, the one thing I don't want to hear out of any of this is hearing people say, if we would have had Kevin Durant, we would have did a three-peat. Well, why couldn't you do a three-peat anyway? What, was, was, were, you just not that, were you just not rich enough without KD? You guys brag about all the time about how you guys won a championship without him, so what are you saying? Come on, man, I'm not trying to hear that. Silas, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you, Daryl. Go Raptors. And coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Jason Gavari to do his daily NBA history segment. You won't want to miss it. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a man who needs no introduction. Some people call him the Youngstown Beast, but I call him Jason. Jason Kavari, how you doing, Jason? Good man. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, Jason, I do have to ask you quickly as an aside. What was your reaction about the game last night? Uh, Kevin Durant gets hurt. You know, the Warriors win in a nail-biter. Well, first off, you know, taking any um, personal bias out of it, I thought it was a great game. I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, two takeaways from it, though. One being that I didn't like that Toronto's fans cheered when Durant possibly tore his Achilles. I mean, I get that a large percentage of the basketball world doesn't exactly love him, but you got to separate the game 
from your feeling for another person. You know, you can't can't be hating on a guy like that who just tore his Achilles. He's going to be out for a year. That's pretty terrible. And then secondly, I think the Raptors blew it. And it's ridiculous that they were up. They had six-point lead. They had the Warriors down in a corner. You have your foot on their throat. You got to keep your foot on the gas, man. You can't give up that lead in the last two minutes and lose on your home court. Now you got to go back to uh, to Oracle to play game six. Now, Jason, now here's why we have you on our NBA history segment. Uh, and you want to talk about the Spurs dynasty, particularly because Tony Parker just retired. So just tell me, you know, what do you have for us, Jason? Absolutely. I wanted to look back, like kind of a retrospective through these past 20 plus years of this Spurs dynasty, because I don't think many people now really appreciate how tough it is consistently great over those 20 years, you know, building through the draft, through trades, through free agent, and having such a great organization like that. And it just came to me seeing Tony Parker officially retire a few days ago. That was the last of the Spurs big three. So I figured this would be cool to look at. Okay. Now, so where are we going to start? I think we should start back in 97. Okay. When they drafted Tim Duncan, because that was really the start of everything. I know they had David Robinson before, but we got to start with Tim Duncan there as the start of that big three. So, 97, I believe that's the year they were... Oh, Robinson got hurt, right? Okay. Then, then we go to 98. Uh, they, they get Tim Duncan right out of Wake Forest. So, how does that start the beginning of the Spurs dynasty? He was so good starting. In his first year as a rookie, he averaged 21 points, 12 rebounds a game. Named to first team All-NBA, and he won Rookie of the Year, leading the team to 56-26 and 26 record after they were terrible the year before, which is coincidentally how they ended up drafting him. Um, they made it to the Western Conference Summit. So after they won that, you know, moving into the next year, this was 98, Robinson came back. And this was actually when... Uh, the commissioner, David Stern, he locked down the players to force that new collective bargaining agreement with the NBA PA. So this season was delayed, and they moved into the season eventually. It was a short 50-game season. They still played really well, won 37 games, made the playoffs again, rolled through the Western Conference, um, eventually to the finals, faced the Knicks, and they ended up winning that, which is two years after they drafted Dunn. So there you have your start to the dynasty between Robinson and Duncan. Now, then talk about their next championship, because they never won championships back-to-back, if I'm correct, right? Right. Okay, so then how does their next championship materialize? Because then once you start winning multiple championships, that's when we start considering you a dynasty. So this would be the 2003 championship that they ended up winning. And they got there, they faced the Nets in the finals there. And uh, they ended up winning that 4-2, where Duncan won NBA MVP there, and he also won finals MVP. I believe that was his first that he won there. Now, uh, that was also when they now have Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, right? And they switch out those two for David Robinson. Just talk about that. Right. Um, if we're looking at in the 2001 draft, they ended up drafting. Tony Parker, which was a great act for them. And even as a young guy, he ended up contributing. And also, let's look at Ginobili, drafted in the second round in 1999, who ended up actually playing his first actual NBA season in 2001. He had been playing over in Europe up till then. So with that court set, this was really that first time that you see them all come together and help to win that finals between that big three there. So San Antonio Spurs, the big three, is born. Then they go through a little bit of a drought. Uh, and then we go to 07. And you know, and you probably have strong feelings about that series, Jason, for obvious reasons. They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. So then just talk about that finals. Absolutely. I remember that. But you knew when they came into that. I, I, I the Cavs didn't have a chance there. Like a lot of people say, and what I thought too, was that real, the big matchup of the whole year was the Spurs playing the Suns in the second round. Because after that, they just swept through easy. Like there was no way they were going to lose to the Cavs in the finals. 
there was no way the Cavs were even going to get two games off them. And then they sweep the Cavs, right? Uh, third championship, Tony Parker gets MVP. And I think that's when we start looking at kind of how the this dynasty starts switching, you know, from being Tim-centric to more Tony Parker-centric. And then that gets into their next championship, which is 20... Well, no, let's go to their finals, their next finals, 2012, right? You know, they're kind of making the high pick and roll with Tony Parker. Tony Parker's playing like a top five player in the NBA. They're playing Miami. So just talk about the 2012 finals when San Antonio played Miami. So this was interesting because it was that um, that first finals that Miami came to against uh, the Spurs there. And there was the lockout in the 2011 season that led to a lot of um, some signings that kind of re revitalized the Spurs rush. Look like, like T.J. Ford who came and then um, Steven Jackson who joined the team as well. Uh, Kawhi Leonard also becoming a part of that team and an important part of those finals there. So this was really interesting because you saw that next iteration of the Spurs start to take hold, especially with Kawhi Leonard starting to play. Even though he was young, he averaged, I think, nine points, four rebounds in that series. He made his presence known, especially on the defensive end. And now they end up losing that series. They lose it in Game 7. Uh... You know, uh, LeBron shoots a brick, you know, clanks off the backboard. Chris Bosh gets it, I believe, and then passes it out to Ray Allen, who's a fadeaway three-pointer game. Six, one of the craziest shots I've ever seen in my life. Uh, never to be replicated, probably. Miami wins a game right. seven. 2013, the Spurs come back with a vengeance. Absolutely. They returned with that core pretty much intact, but they also added uh, Bellinelli and a few other guys. But they did lose a couple. But they did clinch the best record in the NBA. I think it was over 60 wins that year. And then they won uh, 19 straight February through March. So they moved through um, the Mavericks in the first round, Portland in the second. They played OKC in the Western Conference Finals, which was the third straight appearance for them. And they defeated them in six games to advance to the finals again for a rematch with the Heat. And this was the first time they advanced to the finals in consecutive years. Now, you know, they demolish. They demolish Miami, and then that was the last championship they won. So here, here's what I would ask you, Jason. Where where do you consider the totality? Because this was never a team that won back-to-back championships, or they never three-peated some things we kind of think of when we think dynasty, right? Uh, but do you think that takes away from the dynasty, the fact they never repeated or, uh, you know, three-peated, won back-to-back? I don't think it takes away from them at all because they were so consistently successful from that start from when they had Duncan to now when everyone's retired. I mean, that's around 21, 22 seasons consistently winning, you know, more than half your games, making the playoffs, going a little deeper into the playoffs. And over that span, they won, what, six, five, six championships, five championships in that span. That's insane for 20 years to be that good. So you think what made the Spurs special was more of their consist- consistency than more of like their high end? Absolutely. Year in and year out. What other teams can you say that have been that consistently successful, that haven't had any dips, that continue to restock year after year, bring it back, continue to play well, and make the playoffs this much in that 20-year span? Now, what do you think it ranks in terms of dynasties? Like, again, let's say you have this era since the Spurs dynasty started, right? And I guess like you consider other teams like Kobe, Shaq, Lakers. They won three straight. Uh, you could go with even the Kobe, Palgasol Lakers. They went to three straight. Uh, they won two straight. And LeBron's Miami Heat, they went to four straight and won two straight. And even you can, I wouldn't consider the Warriors. I think the Warriors, I would consider that the, the end of it. But through that span, where would you rank them with those three teams? what you're looking for. I mean, if you're looking for success overall, in the span, maybe you look at some of those other, other teams as being better. But if you want to look at consistency, I think this team obviously has to come first. Compared to all those other teams, they've had dips, they've had times where they're not as good. But this dynasty has consistently, consistently, year in and year out, made the playoffs, put up a good show. They've never really had a bad year. Even now, losing everyone 
pretty much. Um, restocking with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. They still made the playoffs. I mean, what does that say about the organization and about uh, Greg Popovich's coach? And also, I guess one of the more impressive things is, too, you know, they beat some of these teams. Like, they beat the Kobe Shaq Lakers at their apex. You know, they beat LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Uh, so it wasn't like they just won when those teams got old or they withered their way. They beat them in in the heart of when those teams were really elite. Uh, now, now, here's what I would ask you. Who do you think, out of all the players, who do you think deserves the most credit for the Spurs' success as a dynasty? Out of the players, absolutely, Tim Duncan. He was a hub offensively. I don't think people really, uh, I don't want to say they don't respect him. Obviously, people respect him. But I think he's so underrated as far as what he did on the court, as far as being a complete offensive powerhouse in the post but also being that huge coordinating center of the defense. He really did it all for that team, and it would not have been possible without him. Who do you got second? Second, I would probably say um, Tony Parker, honestly. And then third, Ginobili? Ginobili after that, right. Now, how much credit do we give Greg Popovich? Because there are some people, you know, believe it or not, uh, Skip Bayless said about a couple months ago, Greg Popovich was getting exposed. I think that's crazy, but I don't know. That's just Skip's opinion. Uh, how important has Greg Popovich been? He's very important. I mean, this is Skip with the crazy take. <laughs> um, you know, we can leave that as it is. But again, when you look at that consistency, it's more than just having talent on your roster. You need to be able to do something with that talent. You need to be able to work at their skills at their abilities, at what they do best, and build that into a system that suits everyone, that works right. That's why you see great coaches have great success. And I think Popovich is the best example of that, of having a system that plays to his players' strengths and having success because of that. And how much credit would you give a guy like R.C. Buford? Because I don't think a lot of people talk about him, but he's the GM. He's the one drafting these guys. Absolutely. He deserves a great share of the credit, too, and not just for the drafts, too, for the timely trades and the veteran signings for people that he brought in to help the team. Again, it's all these guys, the front office, the coaching staff, the players themselves, everyone plays into this great Spurs culture that's led to them being successful over this 20-plus year span. You think part of it, too, and I, I want to talk about Duncan again and why I think maybe even Duncan has the biggest impact even over, like, a Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, all the other players is because Tim Duncan is, like, the the most low-maintenance superstar I can ever remember. Like, doesn't want the cameras in front of him, really doesn't want to talk to anybody, just wants to play basketball and allows for Greg Popovich to coach him hard and just goes about his business. Do you think Tim Duncan is the reason this dynasty is able to stay for like 15 years? Because we don't see this a lot. Absolutely. And part of that, too, was when you're looking in the era before LeBron's big move, you know, this was unprecedented for guys to leave the team that drafted them, make it a huge public event. They're just leaving in free agency to another team. That just didn't happen. But aside from that, I think when you look at Duncan as the leader, the emotional, the physical leader of that team, everyone looked up to him. They were like, okay, like this guy is setting a precedent for how to play the game, for how to be to the media, how to be in general, how to present yourself as a member, as a leader of the San Antonio Spurs, and the team followed in his example. So more so than just on the court, he had huge influence in making this dynasty what it was. Now, where would you rank Duncan as a player in this era, in that era? Considering, you know, he had, you were going to say he had the best dynasty of that era. Where would you rank Duncan as a player in that era? In that era, I mean, definitely top five. I would say if we're looking at the players during this era. Because um, who would we have up there? We'd have Kobe up there. Obviously, we'd have Shaq, LeBron, Duncan. Wade. Who else? Wade, yeah, we put on that level. So that's really, I mean, your top five there from that era because I don't think anybody else during that time comes close to 
the level of those five and what they accomplished. And where would you rank the Spurs dynasty in terms of, you know, we talk about dynasties in like their specific era, but dynasties of all time, like the Warriors, you know, the Bulls, you know, the Celtics, Magic Johnson's uh, Showtime Lakers, where would you rank them in terms of that sphere? They've got to be top ten for sure when we're looking at all the dynasties over time, if not higher than that. And again, just because of that consistent success and the five rings they won during those 20 years. But it wasn't like they won the five rings and then they were bad in the other seasons. This was a consistent make the playoffs year in, year out, move far in the playoffs, and you won five rings on top of that. Jason, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, my man. Now, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to give you some more thoughts on the Katie Achilles injury. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk. Once again, I want to thank Jason Cavari for coming on. Also, again, I want to thank Silas Garrison for coming on. Appreciate it. Both of them appreciated having both those interviews. Love those two guys. Uh, and I thought uh, Jason's uh, topic was really interesting. Spurs Dynasty. Uh, hope it's another, ju- we're going to have another juicy one next week. So tune in for that one, right? You can listen to it, like I've said, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Bevy ways you can go listen to it. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Now, here, here's what I think, right? Uh, when, when the Achilles injury initially happened, right? First, I was looking. I was like, damn, he really hurt his Achilles. And you know what the first thing? I, I almost cried. I'm going to be honest. I almost teared up. I was like, Katie. And you know why I almost teared? It's not because I was that, you know, Katie's my favorite player. I was that emotionally distraught. It wasn't because it's a bad injury, right? I know he'll never be the same. But you know what made me cry? I was like... KD just saw his potentially career, him being a great player, career, poof, the money, poof, maybe. Everything that he's worked hard to achieve his whole life, poof. All because to help a team in an organization that, to tell you the truth, I don't know if they really care. There are reports that apparently teammates on the Golden State Warriors and people in the organization, I don't know who. Uh, but there are reports that people are like, why isn't KD coming back? Clay's coming back. Andre Godoglas coming back. Steph Curry had a temperature in Steph Curry's plan. Everybody's playing hurt. Where are you, KD? Aren't you down for the cause, KD? Aren't you being a good teammate, KD? We're trying to win a championship, KD. And it's the pressure organizations put on players. This is why Kawhi Leonard sat out the whole year. Because at the end of the day, and I will always say this, I don't care about if it's a doctor, a surgeon, a nurse, a trainer, nobody will ever know more about your body than you. Than you. (laughs) That is the God's honest truth, and I believe that. Nobody can know what you're feeling mentally and physically besides you. Katie knew he was not right going, uh, playing that night. Katie knew he wasn't right. Because he caught, he did a bunch of catch and shoots to start the game. Then he started being like, okay, maybe I'm good. And then he tries to make a move, and then it goes. Jalen Rose said about a week ago, he saw KD work out, and it was ugly. And you know what that means when I say, when Jalen Rose says ugly, what I think? It probably means that he couldn't run, jump, or cut. (coughs) And he probably couldn't finish the workout, or probably looked god-awful. Kendrick Perkins, you don't know what Kendrick Perkins said? KD is nowhere close to 60%. It's not like Kendrick said, Katie's close to under, nowhere near close to 100%. He said Katie's not close to 60%. That's a damning statement. And I know Bob Myers, and I want to say this really quick before we end the show, right? I know Bob Myers was crying. Katie's so misunderstood. That's BS. Because you know what you need to stop crying? You're not the, listen, Katie's never going to be the same. Katie about to have lost money. I'm crying for Katie. Yeah, you should be crying for Katie because you messed him up. That's what I got to say. Just want to leave y'all with that. Again, I want to thank Silas Garrison and Jason Guevara for coming on the show. Episode 88 of Barbershop Sports Talk on WJCU, 730 to 830. 
Now for our next podcast, going to have uh, Danny Cunningham on the show, Danny Cunningham, uh, writer for the Score North, going to be a really interesting interview, going to talk a lot of NBA topics around the league. Coming up on the next episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, but thank you for listening to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>